It's now time for On the Line with Cheryl Wilkerson. The conversation will range from local dialogue to international. This show is meant to enlighten, inform, and to inspire. On the Line with Cheryl Wilkerson begins now. Hello and welcome to On the Line. I'm your host, Cheryl Wilkerson. It is September. School has started. My babies have gone back to school. My babies are all of your babies. So that's the way I call them. They are mine. We are sharing them in case you didn't know. So to talk about the school year and just to get us focused as parents about what we need to be in tune to, I called in one of my experts, as usual, Mr. Rodney Jordan. I can't give him a title because we fuss over his title. (laughs) What should his title be? Don't say community activist. Don't say advocate. Uh, educational advocate, uh, participatory, participatory, participatory citizen, citizen. Yes. all those I, things yeah, count. Yeah, I can't even say it. They're so, all good. You all know Rodney. They're right? all good. Rodney Jordan is in the studio with me today. Hello, how are you? I'm doing just fine. How That's are my you? my grandbaby. He's doing wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. That's good. That mm-hmm. is very good. So the school year has started, and since you are on the Norfolk School Board and you are so involved with education in Virginia, tell everybody your background as far as your uh, participation in education in the state of Virginia. Oh, wow. Okay. So as you, as you mentioned, I currently serve as a member of the Norfolk City School Board. I've been a member since 2012, was appointed then, then we've moved to an elected system. So I've been elected twice. I think that's right. Yep, been elected twice. I am a uh, past president of the Virginia School Boards Association, I, which is the association of school boards across the Commonwealth of Virginia. And I have the honor of serving as co chair of that organization's task force on students in schools in challenging environments. I just got back from Chicago a couple of weeks ago. I was jealous. Uh, they have good food. Yeah. In Chicago? Mm-hmm. Yes, they mm-hmm. do. And uh, so there I was uh, part of a COSBA, which is the Consortium of State School Boards Associations. There's an Urban Boards Alliance, and I'm one of the advisors to the Urban Boards Alliance. And we had a UBA, as we call it, symposium in Chicago, which was an uh, excellent two-day symposium. So I participate in that and a lot of the committees and uh, try to work with parents and students and folks in the community uh, doing, you know, what I can to depend upon which hat I'm wearing to, well, actually with all hats, try to listen and hear what's, uh, you know, what's happening in the community, what our parents are trying to navigate uh, what our students need and then do the best I can to represent uh, those vision and values uh, in my school board work and also help to inform any other work that I'm doing in the area of education that ultimately uh, the goal is to improve student outcomes. All, all this work is about making sure that our students are doing well with what they know and what they can do. What is the number one you hear thing you hear from teachers about what they need or what they wish? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I think the number one thing I hear from teachers is um, respect for the profession, and along with that, um, having a certain level of 
autonomy, freedom to exercise their craft uh, on the behalf of their students. I mean, I think sometimes we forget that teachers are professional. They put in years of uh, mm -hmm. schooling and years of hours uh, uh, fine-tuning and honing their craft. And so um, uh, they come to the classroom uh, prepared, we hope, to do what's best for students. So I think that's one. There's always climate as part of that, you know, making sure that I think that goes back to the respect thing again. And then, you know, compensation matters. I mean, we can't deny that, although I don't think that compensation is what I hear most. Mm -hmm. I really hear uh, treat me well, uh, treat me as a professional, give me the tools and the resources that I need, and um, let me build relationships with my students and their, and their families, and we can go far. But climate is, is important. Compensation is important. Uh, so those things also come up. I thought people were going to uh, I thought people were going to treat teachers much better after COVID, because I heard parents they gave birth to little people complaining about having to have their child at home, which blew my mind. And I'm like, you don't want your <laughs> child at home. That's kind of odd to me. But the fact that you have teachers, they get them all gathered in one room and impart knowledge to them. I really thought people were going to go to bat for teachers and their salaries and treating them better. Well, you know, I think that um, generally, um, you know, I, I don't want to speak for teachers because I'm not, and I'm not in that classroom every day. But I, but I don't think it's the case that the the average family is or the average parent is treating teachers less than they were mm -hmm. prior to COVID. Mm -hmm. I do think that um, I think all of us are have been uh, impacted and affected by uh, by the shutdowns. Without question, the students, their social emotional development has been mm -hmm. impacted. So you have you have the stress of that. You have uh, teachers themselves who are not only trying to deliver for many of them via the technology that they were not accustomed to delivering. So not only were they trying to teach somebody else's child, but if they had children, their children were home too. So I just think there's a lot of stress and anxiety. Um, you know, accountability is still in place. And so I think all of us, myself included, are still kind of, in one sense, recovering from uh, uh, the, the, the shutdown. And, you know, oftentimes uh, you and I have this conversation about to what extent do we truly recognize and appreciate the different stressors we may have in our life? And so during that pandemic shutdown, it's a lot of fear. You know, mm -hmm. folks didn't know. You know, mm -hmm. we were wearing masks. You, you know, you you just didn't know from day to day what what may be the case. Many of us saw family members that took ill. Many of us experienced family members that passed away. So it was a lot of uh, anxiety and uh, trauma and stress. And I know our students are still trying to mm -hmm. adjust and. So teachers, it's like you started off this conversation about how all the babies are yours. Well, that's how I think teachers feel. Mm -hmm. And so when when one child is um, is challenged, you know, that impacts you as a parent or a grandparent or a loved one. 
you know, imagine having 15, 18, 20, 25 children now. Mm-hmm. That's just in one class. And you may have, you know, four or five different classes throughout the day. So I think there's a, um, a lot of support that's needed. Um, we, we have to find ways of accelerating our learning for our students because many of our students uh, who were already challenged mm-hmm. faced greater challenges during the pandemic. So we have to mm-hmm. find ways of how do we catch those students up. Uh, but at the same time, we have to figure out how do we deal with the uh, emotional and well-being needs of children uh, in this environment. I think what you are seeing more and more, unfortunately, with many school divisions, and it, it varies. The other thing that, that I think has come out through the pandemic and through the virtual learning that was taking place was um, – Many parents, some parents, uh, I think, are trying to respond to what they think children should be learning mm-hmm. in school, and we're exposed to different different things. And then you have all the partisan politics that's going on now around school boards and curriculum and, and, and all kinds of things. And I think that stirring of the pot on top of all the stress for many uh, has created a toxic environment, which is one of the reasons why I think we are finding school divisions being challenged with trying to retain quality and effective teachers, never mind attracting uh, individuals uh, into the profession. Yeah. Case in Fredericksburg is just utterly ridiculous. Which which one is the Fredericksburg case? That's the one where the head of the school board has never even served in any capacity or whatever. Maybe it was the superintendent? Superintendent. Okay. Yeah, yeah I can't remember if yeah. that was Freddie. I know mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. yeah, th- there's there's a lot of, you know, I'm a yep. I'm a school board member. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, part of our charge, uh, we you know, we're charged with representing the vision and values of the community. Uh, and one of the most important tasks that we have is retaining or, or hiring a uh, an effective superintendent who becomes the CEO of the division and, and has to do the job day to day. And we are finding, not only are you seeing a lot of turnover in the classroom with teachers, you're seeing a lot of turnover with board members. Yes. And you're continuing to see a lot of turnover with superintendents, and so that is a... But parents need to stay on top of that, and I know that's easier said than done because they've got other things they're trying to do, keep root overhead, but still. Yeah, well, I think, um, I mean, it's just me speaking personally. I mean, you know, our children come first. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to find ways of supporting them, mm-hmm. um, being involved in, in education, whether it's public, private, homeschool, if parent engagement and parent involvement can make all the difference in the world for the success mm-hmm. of children. Uh, I know we say that parents are the child's first teachers. I agree with that. But um, uh, what the teachers are able to in, to share and teach our children in the classroom, in no way am I ever going to think that that I'm qualified to do what they do. <laughs> they're just, they are, they're yes. professionals, they go to school, being able to handle, right. you mm-hmm. know, fifteen children in the classroom, mm-hmm. I just, I just, 
Like I said it's, earlier. It's a, it's, a, it's a special skill and a special love, and you have to have a heart for mm-hmm. others to to perform that type of uh, service and to uphold that type of uh, profession. And I just admire those that can they can do it far beyond my skill level. I, yeah, that's something. I, I heard a story yesterday about a parent that had actually given up her child completely and moved across country said she couldn't handle it and you know we we've got to do better because no child wants to feel like they weren't worth it so okay so what do you hear (laughs) what do you hear from students as far as how are they feeling what are they are they worried about anything are they well you know it's 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 interesting um the first thing that started to come out of my mouth and I held it back but I'm going to say it just for the purposes of discussion, I started to say children are resilient. And while I think that's true, I also think there's a certain amount of denial uh, by us as adults in Mm -hmm. making that statement. Mm -hmm. Children feel. Children want to belong. Children want to be accepted. Children are exposed to so many things today that you and I were not exposed mm-hmm. to. They have access to more more information and so much junk is just coming yep. at them yep. from all kinds of different yep. directions. So so in one sense I, I have great admiration for their ability to mm-hmm. uh, to grow and prosper mm-hmm. with all the things that are coming at them. But they're feeling it and I think we, we see it. Uh, I mean we always have, thankfully, children who are Focus. They have goals. They have routines. They know what they want or they know what they don't want. Mm-hmm. And they come to school every day and they're about their business of learning all that they can learn and um, moving forward as productive citizens into whatever their next path in life. But in the public school system, you know, we invite and accept anyone who crosses the door. And so children come to come across that threshold of the school building uh, with all different backgrounds all different interests all different experiences and so you have some children who um, uh, may be homeless you have some yeah. children who may be dealing may be hungry you mm-hmm. have yep. uh, children who are Saw doing exceptionally things. well so it's all kinds of things that they're exposed to different things. And and going back to the conversation about parents and adults, I think that's one of the things that I often hear from children is, um, and they don't, they don't necessarily say this to me directly all the time, but I'm not sure how that they always feel fully protected by the adults in their lives mm-hmm. and feel fully welcomed and embraced by all the adults in their lives. And because they, the adults use that crutch of their children are resilient. They well, use that's, that, that's they take it too far. But yeah. It's, but it's, but it's, you know, I, don't, I mean, I think this, it is true for every generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, times change. But um, uh, I, I, what I hear from children is they want their parents, they want their teachers, they want the adults in their lives to um, appreciate what the children experience, take time to listen mm-hmm. to them, 
Um, so that would mean you know, putting down the cell yeah, phone when you their, see them their, in the afternoon? Learn their culture mm-hmm. and their experiences mm-hmm. and their language mm-hmm. and not necessarily always see things through the lens of when I was in school. When I was in school. Just listen. Yeah, you just yeah. got to listen. I think, I I think they they want that and want to be able to. Because even adults want that. App- that's what I'm saying. I think it's I think it's all human beings. We all want mm-hmm. a certain level of uh acceptance and love and just sometimes somebody to listen to us even if they don't understand a single thing that we're saying so children who are whose brains are constantly under development um, i just worry that we we are treating our children like they are little adults Mm -hmm. versus treating our children like they're children correct i agree with that and i think that puts additional stressors and challenges before young people and I'm talking whether you're 17 or 7 Correct. or 7 months and so I would like for since we, we often talk about the village I like for the village to kind of step back some and just think about if you do have uh, children in your household or if you do have children down the street or if you do have loved ones and they are students how much time in a month do you spend just listening? Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. mean, literally, I like for people to, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm doing my own little project right now where I'm mm-hmm. trying to do some focusing on some goals. And one of the things that I'm doing in that regard is I am tracking my minutes daily mm-hmm. because I want to see how much time I'm spending doing certain things. How much time, if I have, okay. if I have eight hours of, of time in a day, how much of that time am I spending focused on my on my goals? And so if one of my goals is to uh, listen more to my children, mm-hmm. even though I have adult children, mm-hmm. or if one of my goals is to spend more time with my grandson, mm-hmm. then I want to make sure I'm monitoring that to see whether or not, uh, one, am I in balance, and two, am I truly providing in actuality the quality time that I say I want to achieve that I write down on paper. Speaking with uh, Norfolk School Board member Rodney Jordan, he's in the studio with me today, and we're talking about school. We're going to get to a little bit of politics a little bit later, but I would encourage parents to just do exactly what Rodney just said. Please spend time and track your time with your children. Pay attention to them. Please read read with them. When you're walking across the street, hold their hands. Okay, have family dinners. Discuss what happened in school today. Reading is important. Don't let them say, don't say how was school today so they can say, fine. Don't do that. You have to ask specific questions. You know, who were you able to help today? What did you learn today? Please, you all, do your best by our children. We need that. So, Rodney, we got 10 minutes left. You want to talk some politics? If you want to talk politics, we can. Okay. I understand that the campaigning season has begun, which is boo-hoo-hoo for me because I do not like the TV commercials. And if I were in charge, I would make a law that if you're going to do a political commercial, it has to be only about you. You can't mention anybody else. You have to mention (laughs) what you have done or what you're going to do. And that way, I would be a better informed candidate but now i have to go through the weeds to pull out everything so how should we approach this campaign season well you know in in virginia it seems like it's always campaign season Mm -hmm. but in in this particular case we know that in november of 
2023, we have uh, the General Assembly, uh, 140 seats, uh, 100 in the House, 40 in the Senate that are uh, on the ballot. And so you're you're right. Um, once we get past Labor Day, the campaign ads kick in. TV, radio, mailers, on social your, media, on the internet. <laughs> impressions, you you name it. And uh, you know, we often will see where, uh, as voters or even just as individuals, citizens. People often will express the same sentiment that that you expressed, mm-hmm. but a lot of times the pollers and the consultants will tell you that uh, the reason why certain ads are done a certain way is because they produce results. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's unfortunate that um, it seems like some some advertisement is designed to put more negatives on an opponent than it is to. Uh, express positives about oneself, but uh, I guess the data must show that negatives, negative campaigning works. Well, you can't give up at that point. You just have to dig deeper as an informed voter to find out what you want to find out. But do you think, Rodney, that people now realize that it was important for people to go to the poll to vote for a, 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 a what's her name, Willis in Georgia? Mm, can't think of her first name that has brought the indictments oh, against the, the, the yeah. attorney general. Do they realize that the uh, district attorney in New York, it was important to go to the polls to vote for that sister because these are the people that have brought up the cases. If there were other people in office, it's no guarantee. You know, you've got to vote for who you think is going to do the right thing. You just can't leave that to other people. And I say this all the time. District attorneys, Commonwealth attorneys, wield so much power. Vote. Find out who's doing what. Yeah, no, I think that, uh, you know, we we have to make the connection that you just made. Um, you know, from everything to your, your light bill. You and I were talking about cell phones before we came on the air. You look at your cell phone bill. You see fees. You, right. you you get a water bill, you see fees, you you get everything seems to have a fee associated with it. People looking at it, they you know own a home, they see their assessments uh going up, going down. So in our in our system that 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 government, we we help to determine that. And so the people that we either elect or tolerate, tolerate. or uh, <laughs> uh or refuse to take out. They get they they make those decisions every day, and so I think what we have to find a better way of doing is making the connection that you just made between the act of voting and choosing a candidate candidate that you feel represents uh, your values, represents your your principles, and and then going out and exercising that that vote because these decisions that are made every day. You may not think that they impact you in the moment, but at some point in time, you, you're going to find yourself dealing with something. You know, it could be anything as simple as uh, getting pulled over for a traffic ticket or, like I said a moment ago, going to the local authorized cell phone dealership and mm-hmm. seeing the, the fees and the taxes or buying a car or mm-hmm. 
you know, we we dealing with inflation. The price of a loaf of bread is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So, you know, politicians and elected officials and appointed officials, we can't forget them either, who are often appointed by elected officials, have a lot That's of impact true. on our quality of life and what we experience daily. And to me, the uh, one of the reasons that I think um, – there, there, there's, there are some that take advantage of the fact yep. that people stay home. Yep. They count on yep. people staying That's home. That's true. That's true. Because they, I mean, this stuff is, you know, you know, I can, I can go into, you know, when I'm, when I'm campaigning, I can go into a database. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I can look in that database, and I know who is most likely to vote in a certain place, or, you know, how often people vote and what they do. And these things are down to to a to a science and so there are some candidates that know if this group of voters stays home where they don't vote then i'm more likely to win or uh, or what i represent is more likely to be mm-hmm. uh, pushed or or enacted and i think as uh, uh participatory citizens mm-hmm. uh we, we should we should reject I, I i would resent that we should resent the fact that Somebody is calculating their progress off of me doing nothing. Yep. So that in and of itself ought to be some sense of a motivator. But we are talking about goals and we're talking about education. and We're talking about what we want for our children. Well, if we ask our children to ask our children to set goals and have aspirations, we should do likewise as adults. And. And literally, those that we think are most likely to support our goals and our aspiration, then we need to vote for them. We might write a letter for them. Mm-hmm. We might give a dollar to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all those things are ways that we can be involved in the system as it exists today to make sure that what we believe uh, is is represented, whether it's uh, local elections, which I think are extremely important, or uh, state elections or, or our federal elections. Every every level of government needs to have an active citizenry. And I think history tells us over and over and over again what happens when people stay home or check out. Amen. I have a friend, he does a radio show. And especially during this season, when you call his, his radio show, you have to give your uh, representative in the House okay. and the Senate you have to tell who your city councilman is. You have to tell what district you're in or else you don't go on the air. So, so you're saying the screener checks that before they get? No. Oh, once they get on the air? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Who, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, that's yeah. good. Who's your senator, you know? Okay. And I was thinking, so all of us should really know that anyway. Yeah, It absolutely. should just be automatic. Yeah. And we were talking about school systems earlier. One of my favorite classes was always government. But I think that uh, we also have to make sure – that civics is taught, and whether it's taught at school or not, we can teach it at home. That's true. That's yeah, true. We we, yeah. we have to find ways of making sure that we make the connection for our children um, about their importance. Because right now, the youth vote, youth vote made a big difference in mm-hmm. in recent elections, and uh, it can make a big difference again uh, if they are willing to come out. And that is one thing that I have seen. You were asking me earlier when we were talking about education. One thing that I did see come out of the pandemic, so yes, there's been a lot of activism from some adults, 
but I've seen a lot of activism oh, for children. Good. Children at school board meetings advocating for what they yeah, believe. They in, will tell it. <laughs> want to wanting to make sure that their rights are protected and mm-hmm. that they are valued and that adults understand uh, the, the the student voice. So that to me is very exciting, and I hope that we will encourage more students, uh, whether it's public school students or as we sit here on Norfolk State campus, all these students here, they can get involved as well, making sure that their voice is heard locally in in the seven cities and also in, in the General Assembly. Running out of time, how can people get in contact with Norfolk School Board member and say the word because I can't. Participatory, participatory citizen, citizen yes. Rodney Jordan. <laughs> well, the easiest way is via my email, my, my school board email address, uh, which is just for school board official duties, is rjordan, R-J-O-R-D-A-N, at NPSK12.com. But you can really contact me at my personal email address, raj at melanet.com, M-E-L-A-N-E-T.com. And you can send anything there, pros, cons, whatever you like. Concerns. Concerns, ideas. ideas mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's the best way. Thank you. I owe you. Well, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be on the great campus of Norfolk State University. Next time, bring my grandson. And everybody listening, you all have a wonderful Sunday. Everybody's excited about football season. Go out, have fun, but be responsible, all that good stuff. And as always, you all take care and behold the green and gold. Take care. Bye-bye.